enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Psalm 100 verses 4 to 5. What's up? How you guys doing today? Doing good? Yeah? You ready for church? I love it. It's good to see you. Here we are at the beginning of a brand new series called Grateful. Here we are in the month where we're going to have Thanksgiving together, right? You excited about Thanksgiving? You're going to have family come over. You're going to get together. You're going to eat more than you want. Um, I thought we would start off this way. I want to do a little audience poll with you, okay? I'm going to put up a couple of things about Thanksgiving up on the screen, and you're going to get to vote. We're going to do it real high-tech way. You just applaud, okay? Um, but I'll put these up. How many of you would say you are more on the turkey side of things? You want turkey on Thanksgiving. These are the traditionalists. You are the traditionalists. I get it. How many of you would say we are honey-baked rebels? We will go ham. See? I knew it. Hey, churches have split over less, okay? So be very careful. All right. How about this? Mashed potatoes. How many of you are mashed potatoes people? How many of you are sweet potato people? How many of you just said yes, just yes, carbs, carbolicious, that's what we want. All right, this one is three parts, three parts. How many would say pumpkin pie, that's what you have to have. Apple pie. Pecan pie. Really, all right. Okay, we'll solve this for me, we didn't have a, I said pecan pie, how many of you would say no, it's pecan, or it's pecan. Any Southerners here? Really? Is that how you say it? You're brave. All right. And then how many of you say pecan like Jesus taught us to say it? All right. No, I'm, just I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. That's awesome. All right. How about this one? We don't really need to vote. There's not a whole... I can't tell the difference between cranberry sauce and dog food. So let's just move on. <laughs> well, boo, boo. Uh, uh oh, uh oh. Some of you are going to be watching the football on, on Thanksgiving Day. How many of you are going to be watching the Bears game? All right. And how many of you are going to be watching the Packers game? Yeah. Okay. All right. And how many of you are going to be asleep by the second quarter? Let's be honest. Yeah, most of us. <laughs> All right, well, that's fun, that's fun. Hey, listen, um, Thanksgiving is more than a holiday, all right? Thanksgiving is more than just one day a year. Thanksgiving is more than a, uh, a fun bit, you know, the thank you cards on a Jimmy Fallon show. Like, Thanksgiving is all throughout the Bible, this idea of gratitude. It is pervasive all throughout Scripture. You look at all the times in the Old Testament where what God has done is praised, where people thank God for his creation. They thank God for his provision. They thank God for his protection. They thank God, thank God, thank God. That is praise in the Old Testament, and that is gratitude. 
There are all kinds of places in the Old Testament where people will celebrate God's attributes, his character. They will say, God, thank you. You are holy. Thank you, God. You are almighty. You are omniscient. You are omnipotent. You are, and and all the times that people are worshiping God for for, uh, his attributes, that's gratitude. There's gratitude all throughout the Old Testament. You come to the New Testament, and this new, brand new community of believers, the the church, is instructed by by, uh, Paul and others to, to love one another, pray for one another, care for one another, but also to give thanks with one another to one another. If you look at a lot of Paul's writings, he will start the letter that he he's writing to a particular church saying, I give my God thanks. For you. There's all kinds of gratitude throughout the Bible. But do you know, it's not just mentioned in the Bible. Gratitude is a very powerful thing. Gratitude changes things. In one study, they asked uh, people, one group of people, to write down over the course of 10 weeks every day a few things that they were grateful for. They asked another group of people to just write down anything that occurred to them about their day. And then they asked a third group of people over the course of 10 weeks to write down the things in their day that irritated them, things that they would complain about, things that they didn't like. And do you know that after the end of the 10 weeks, this is what they found, that the people that were grateful, that wrote down things they were grateful for, they were more optimistic, they exercised more, they had fewer doctor's visits, they had less cortisol in their system, the stress Hormones. They had less stress in their life. Their cardiac functioning had improved and their symptoms of depression or anxiety lessened. Guys, I love it when science catches up with what God has been saying for centuries. Gratitude is a powerful thing. Uh, Gratitude affects not only our physical health, our relational health, but our mental health as well. You look all through the Psalms where these passionate prayers are being lifted up to God, written about, about, oh man, we're, we're depressed and, and we're, we're um, uh, uh, discouraged and we're scared and we're frightened. And, and gratitude is, all, is many times used in those psalms. They'll get about halfway down through the psalm and they'll be like, but God, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for how strong you are. We're grateful for, you, for your provision. Paul echoes the same sort of sentiment when he addresses anxiety this way, look at this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Hey, hey, Willow, you ever get anxious about things? You ever get worried? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you're going through something really hard, when you're tempted to be anxious, when you're tempted to worry, don't just pray about it, but pray about it and throw in some thanksgiving. You say, well, that's almost like it is. It's an act of faith to be able to thank God even in the midst of hard things. But if we'll do that, we'll present our requests to God. Look at the promise in verse 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Have you ever met somebody like that? Somebody that, you know, when you hear about what they're going through in their life, and then you watch the peace that they have in the midst of it, you go, I don't even understand that. That's the peace that passes 
understanding. Gratitude is connected to that. Guys, I'm telling you, gratitude is not just a nice little thing for us to focus on for a day in the year. It's not just something to, 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 if we get around to it, it'd be nice to throw a little thank you card in the mail. It is a powerful concept that breeds all kinds of relational health, all kinds of physical health, mental health, spiritual health. It's a powerful thing. So who wants more of it? We need to develop an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to be in Luke 17 today. We're going to look at a story that involves Jesus and some lepers. And we're going to see how do you develop more gratitude in your life. All right. Uh, I'm in Luke 17. You can follow along on the screens. If you've got your Bibles or your phones, you can look as well. It goes this way. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. This is at the point in Jesus' ministry. He's traveling to Jerusalem for Easter week, for Passion Week. This is, he's going there to die and then to be, and, and to rise again. This is where he's at. And he is going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Why are they asking Jesus to have pity on them? Because they were lepers. Leprosy today, we call it Hansen's disease. Uh, leprosy is a disease that is basically the central nervous system. It causes your nerves to not be able to feel pain. You say, well, that doesn't sound like, that sounds like a superpower, not a disease. But the problem is when you have that, and God gave us actually pain sensors to actually protect us. Because when you touch something hot, you need to be able to lift your hands off of there. And there are folks with leprosy who have been burned and, you know, didn't even realize their hand was on the stove. There are people that have had leprosy where, where they've woken up and animals have, and I know it's gross, but animals have been kind of gnawing at their toes, at their limbs. That's happened, even in our world today. So this disease was horrible. Now, add to it not just the physical pain or damage from this disease, but it was also considered uh, sort of a stigma to have uh, leprosy. Because if you had leprosy, what they believed, it was superstitious. They kind of believed that, hey, you know, you, you probably got sin in your life. You're probably not, you know, God's not happy with you. That's the way they thought about it. And they thought it was contagious too. So when someone got leprosy, they would just say, get out of town. They would exile you. That's why you have leper colonies. That's what happened back then as well. Now, in addition to everything I just said, I would say this too. There was no, you know, dermatologists back then so they didn't know the difference between leprosy psoriasis ringworm poison ivy I mean kids with acne and I'm serious like back then when someone had a skin disease they just immediately were like oh it must be leprosy and they would kick them out of town it's a horrible disease so they're calling out to Jesus have mercy on us heal us Jesus now, here's something interesting. I just want to pause for a second. This group lived outside of Samaria and outside Jerusalem. In other words, they were Jews, they were Samaritans, and they were living together. And if you know anything about the times back then, these were people that hated each other. They were theologically opposed. They didn't believe the way each other believed. They were racially divided. You ever seen racial tension in a community or in a country? These people were on opposite sides of just about every issue. 
In fact, they hated each other so much when one of them stood up for something, the other one just said, well, we'll just take the other side of it because I hate those people. And yet here they are living together. Community together, these 10 people, Jews and Samaritans in community together. And do you know why they were able to come together? Because they both, they both sides realized they had a huge thing in common in that they needed healing and Jesus was the source Jesus was who they would call on. And I stop just for a second because we live in a world that is more divided than it's ever been. And people say, you know what? You're never going to get Democrats and Republicans to get along. And you're never going to get black and white to get along. And you're never going to get uh, a young and old to get along. And you're never going to get these people and those people to get along. It's just, yes, you can in the church. Because it's in the church that we come together. I see it. I mean, look around you. I see it. We come together and we say, you know what? We may have our races that, 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 that divide us. We may uh, have political issues that divide us. But that which unites us in our church is way stronger than anything that divides us. Why? Because we have come here. We have come here and we have said, I'm taking off all the pride. I'm taking off all the stuff. I'm taking off all those devices. Here's the thing. I'm here seeking healing from Jesus. That's how I can get along with you. That's how you can get along with me because the pride is out the window. I need Jesus. Do you? And if you do, then we can get along. If you do, then we can get along. Now, the sermon is about gratitude. It's not even about that. So I got to move on. I don't have time. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Do you see the faith in that? It wasn't that they were cleansed. And so they went, oh, wow, Jesus healed us. Therefore, we'll go do what he said. It was that Jesus said, gave them instructions. And as they obeyed his instructions, as they carried out their faith, they were healed. How many times in your life and in my life do we wait around for God to do something? When sometimes I wonder if God's waiting on us to do something. He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, um, God, when are you going to get me out of this financial situation? And God's going, when are you going to cut up those credit cards? You say, um, God, when, when am I going to get married? And God's going, when are you going to put that Xbox controller down, come up out of your mom's basement, put some deodorant on, and ask a girl out? Right? <laughs> Sometimes you're waiting on God, God's waiting on you. Oh, man. All right. What am I? Oh, gratitude. We're talking about gratitude. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's go back to the Bible. Okay. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. One of them praised God, praised Jesus. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where's the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And that's the story. <laughs> and you read that story and you go, I don't know about you, but when I have Bible stories, I always kind of imagine myself in the Bible story, right? I never put myself in the place of Jesus. If you do, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I always try to put myself in one of the other positions. And I don't know about you, but I immediately go, if I was there, I'd be the one saying thank you. Wouldn't you? You're good people. I never think to myself, I'd be one of the nine. In fact, I look at the nine and I go, what happened? Like, what was so important 
in your life that you couldn't take a little bit of time to go back and thank Jesus for what he did. And we're left wondering. The fact is, I don't know. We can only speculate. We can only speculate. It could be that one of the nine was, you know, headed to the priests and went, let's go to the pub. Like, I'm excited. Like, I'm happy. Let's celebrate. It could be that one of them, you know, was headed to the priests and went, you know, actually, my business has been left unattended for the last year while I was in the leper colony. I better go see if I can save my business. It could be that somebody was headed to the priest, all healed up, and said, I haven't seen my family in like six months. And they go to to the family. And I don't know what happened. I'm just speculating. But here's the thing. Once I start to imagine it, do you know, I don't so quickly indict those nine. Because the truth is, if I'm confessing, if I'm really being honest with you, there are times in my life when I probably should be stopping And going back and thanking Jesus for things in my life. And yet I'm so distracted by my work. I'm so distracted by my family's schedule. I'm so distracted by, you know, having a party or celebrating or the good things. And I'm not saying like a bunch of bad things. I mean, all those are good things, but I just get so distracted and busy in my life. And I find myself coming in, you know, Thanksgiving rolls around or I come into a church service like this and people start talking about gratitude and I go, you know what? I don't think I've spent much time thanking God for anything lately. The first way to cultivate an attitude of gratitude I would say, is to to practice the discipline of noticing. Of of noticing. Of not letting yourself get distracted. If we we could just become really good noticers of all the little blessings in our life. I I think my daughter Grace, who's now out of college, I think she was three years old. I, I think I told this story a while ago, I can't remember, but... She was like three years old. It was Halloween night. She'd gone out. We'd gone out trick-or-treating, so she's got a bag of candy. Uh, she's three years old. It's time to go to bed. She says, Daddy, can I sleep with the candy? <laughs> okay, no, you can't sleep with the candy. But hey, let's do this. Um, why don't we pray, and we'll thank God for our candy, and then you can go to sleep, and Daddy will take the candy out, and then take the dad tax out of—no, I'm just kidding— but we can have some candy later. And that seemed to, to work for her. We'll thank God for the candy. We'll put it up. We'll have some later, right? So we bow our heads. We get ready to pray. And she goes and she prays. Thank you, God, for this candy. That's cute. Okay, yeah. And so my eyes are closed. I'm just listening to her and waiting for her to move on. Thank you, God, for this candy. And thank you, God, for this candy. And I thought, oh, poor thing. She's stuck. You know, she... She doesn't know what to pray about. She doesn't know what to pray about. So I'm just, I'm just, she'll get it. She'll figure it out. Thank you, God, for this candy. And I open my eyes, and she's got her little hand in the bag, and she's pointing to each individual candy. Thank you, God, for this candy and this candy, and thank you, God, for this candy. And my mind is blown because I'm thinking she knows gratitude better than me. She's thanking God for every little blessing in her life. I want to give you a gift today. It's a gift of time. 
I just want to give you one minute of unrushed time where you don't have to be distracted by your work. You don't have to be distracted by plans after church. You don't have to be distracted by anything. I'm going to give you one minute. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your head, and thank God for all the little blessings in your life. The things that you sometimes skip over. The normal things. Ready, set, pray. God, you've given us so many things in our lives to focus on and help us to just relinquish control of those to you and help us to take some time, maybe every day, Lord, to sit down and to become aware, to notice the things in our lives that are gifts from you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Uh, it's in James, it tells us that every, perfect, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above. God, it's all from you and we're so grateful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so how do you develop an attitude of gratitude? I would say a practice, a discipline of noticing. I would also say this, thank God for imperfect gifts. <laughs> they say, well, what's, what do you mean imperfect gift? What do you mean by that? Um, it's my graduation party from high school. I've got friends over. I've got uh, family over. And most of the gifts are the little cards, you know, with a check in it right and love it great but there were some gifts uh that were larger and wrapped and i pick one up and it's from my grandma and i'm like oh this is gonna be good uh, this is gonna be you know a stereo i mean look it's gonna be like a stereo for my dorm room it's gonna be a tv maybe for my dorm room i'm so pumped i tear into this thing and grandma got me a superman garbage can And I'm sitting there, I'm 18 years old. My friends, my family, I'm sitting in that embarrassment. I'm not quite sure what to do. And it's in that moment that my grandmother's voice pierces through and she says, do you like it? Oh. And I start to look up, but I don't see grandma's eyes. I see my mother's eyes and she is looking at me like, you don't tell the truth in this moment. You better get this right. And so I said, thank you, Grandma. Thank you so much. What am I talking about when I say imperfect gifts? Here's the deal. There's no perfect gift. There are better gifts than others. <laughs> there are more appropriate gifts than others, but there's no perfect gift. She could have got me a TV. I could have thought, well, it should have been long, bigger. She could have got me a stereo. I, I could have said, well, I wish it had more higher fidelity-ness to it. I don't know. The truth is, is that every gift you have, there's no perfect gift. There's no perfect car. There's no perfect relationship. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect vacation. There's no perfect house. 
If you want to, you can always find the stuff that's imperfect about it. You can always see the flaws. And the reason I share that with you is because I've seen it. I did a wedding one time where everything was great. I mean, the music was great. They, they all, the, the bride and the groom, they loved each other and the dance. I mean, everything was great. Except the mother of the bride just could not let it go that they got chocolate icing instead of buttercream on the cake. And it was like, just let it go. There's a guy in my small group one time, and we prayed for weeks and weeks and weeks. God, he needs a job. He needs a job. He needs a job. He gets a job, and he comes in, and he's like, I got a job. And we're like ready to celebrate. And he's like, yeah, but it's second shift. And I didn't want second shift, which I understand. But at the same time, it's like there's, you can always find a flaw. There are some people that I think if they were one of the nine lepers would have been like, Jesus, thank you so much for healing my skin. You couldn't have taken care of the wrinkles? <laughs> there are some people that would have been like, thank you for healing my body. You couldn't have made me a little thinner. You couldn't have done something with my nose. Like, come on, Jesus. Which sounds absurd, but the truth is there are times that we're like that. This is where I think the concept of appreciation comes in. Is it, what do you mean appreciation? Well, appreciation is connected to the word gratitude. It's connected to the word thanksgiving. That's what I say, hey, I appreciate what you did. I appreciate that. But it is also a word that is connected to the, the growing value of something, right? What do you want your house to do? Appreciate. What do you want your investments to do? You want them to appreciate, grow in value. And, and what's very interesting is that you, with gratitude, can grow the value of something in your eyes. I, listen, it's not my dream car, but I am grateful that I've got reliable transportation. And you know, the more I think about it, it's got a great sound system. And you know, the more I think about my car, um, it, it, um, it's got leather interior, and I never, I never had that before. And it's so easy to clean. I'm just, it's not my dream car, but I'm really grateful for my car. And the more I think about it, the more it gets becomes, becomes more valuable to me. Hey, listen, it's not, we're not going on the fanciest vacation this year, okay? But I'm so grateful that all of my kids are going to be coming together. We're all going to be able to spend time together. And I'm so grateful. You know what? Like, I'm not, I'm not going into debt to do it. Like, God has provided that we've got a little margin to be able to go on a little vacation with my family. And again, it's not the fanciest place in the world, but, like, I'm really grateful for it. And the more I think about it, and the more I thank God for it, it's like the greater it becomes in my eyes. So much so that, that I think there are times when people could actually graduate from thanking God for imperfect gifts to actually thanking God for really hard things. Now, I know that's like another level, but the truth is a lot of you in here are at that level. You can look back in your life and say, and it could be that it was a year ago, it could have been that it was a decade ago, but you're, you're going, you know what, that thing that was really hard at the time, when that happened, and I'd never choose it again, 
because it rocked my world. But the truth is, you know, because of that, I grew. You know, because I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for that thing. That thing made me appreciate life a whole lot better. That, that thing, ever since that time, I've been able to keep my priorities in a little better place because once that happened, you know what, because of that thing, I've been able to have more empathy for some of the people around me because I went through that. Now I can help other people that went through that. And again, I would never choose it again. But I'm actually grateful for it. Thanking God for imperfect gifts, sometimes even hard, hard things in our life. Developing a discipline for noticing And then the third one is to express your thanks to others. I think I've always thought of gratitude as a a feeling. Like, are you grateful? Hold on, let me analyze my feelings. And I I think probably all 10 of those lepers felt grateful. And gratitude, I think, is a feeling. I just don't think that's where the power of gratitude comes from. I think the power to change, I think the power of gratitude is when you express it to other people. That's when things change. That's when things grow. That's when things become better. You think about the one guy that that came back and thanked Jesus. Before the gratitude, he's calling out to Jesus from a distance. Through his gratitude, he is at the feet of Jesus worshiping. Do you see how the relationship grew? became more intimate. It became more close. Like he got closer to Jesus because of his gratitude. The more I thank God for stuff, guess what? I find my relationship with God grows. And not only this, but like this too. When I express gratitude to other people, the relationship grows. There's a study show uh, with uh, couples, a study of couples. It says individuals who took time to express gratitude to their spouse had a happier marriage, longer marriage, better sex life, and felt more comfortable addressing conflicts in their marriage, which ultimately helped them through their marriage. Um, A quote from one of the people studied, when we know we are grateful for each other and we can count on that as a baseline, we can even talk about the hard things in our relationship. So we ought to always be going, man, I'm just so grateful for you in that. I'm just so grateful for you in that. I'm so grateful for that about you. And I don't think it's just in a marriage either. I think your friendships, your work relationships. You ever had a boss that just never said thank you? You ever had an employee that never said thank you? Right? Here's what I want to do. Um, we took a little time to pray and thank God for things. I would love to do something, like let's, let's put it into action. Could everybody grab your phone? If you have a phone, a phone. We're going to text in church. We're going to totally break the rules. I want to invite you. Some of you are like, well, first tell me what you're going to do, and then I'll trust you. Um, I just want you to take, we're going to play a little music and in just a second, and give you a couple seconds. I want you to text somebody. And you say, well, what am I supposed to text them? Whatever you want. But, but here's what I would do. We're talking about gratitude in church today. 
just wanted you to know I'm thankful for you, period. See if you can send that to 10 people, right? It could be people here. It could be people that aren't here. It could be family, whatever. We're going to give you just a minute or so to do that. Ready, set, go. seconds. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, like this doesn't have to be the only time that you do it. You could do it at lunch today. You could take time every day. You could, you could take a little bit of time every day. Hold, hold on. I got one. <laughs> hold on, let me read it. I, forgot. I should have put do not disturb on. Uh, thank you for holding back during the marathon and letting me go ahead of you. You and I will always know who the real runner is, Pastor Sean Williams. Oh, Sean. That is... Thanks, man. I'm grateful for you, too. Okay. Um. <laughs> All right. Let me, uh, let me, let me uh, just close with this. You want to develop an attitude of gratitude, couple, those three things. One is I want to develop a practice of noticing. Maybe for you it's every day to say, you know what, I'm going to, fi- I'm going to find five things today I'm thankful for. Just write them down. Maybe you have an accountability partner. You say, hey, we're going to call each other or we're going to shoot each other a text with our five things. Noticing. Second thing, I'm going to thank God for imperfect gifts. In fact, I'm going to try and appreciate things even that aren't perfect because as I appreciate them and I look for the, I'm grateful for them, I'll actually watch their value grow in my eyes. And then thirdly, I'm going to express my gratitude both to God and to others because it's in the expression that the power is released and I actually see relationships grow. Last week I got to be, I'll close with this, last week I got to be with our South Lake campus and we did communion together and we talked about how communion actually has a lot of different names. Some traditions call it the Lord's Supper and others will call it the common meal. Others call it um, communion. and uh, Catholic tradition will call it the Eucharist. And I don't know if you know this, but the Eucharist is, that, that's taken from a Greek word, Eucharisteo, which means to give thanks. So that when Jesus was with his friends and he took the bread 
He said, this is my body broken for you. When he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And he, he said, basically, I want you, every time you eat and drink this meal together, I want you to think of me. I want, he, he put the gospel at the center of Christian worship, the gospel that would say, we are so grateful to God for the gift of his son, Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This concept, this idea that that God gave his one and only son, that his son was perfect without sin, he lived his life without sin, and then went to the cross and took on himself the sins, like our sins. He took the punishment that we deserved, and because he was both fully God and fully man, it's a mystery, I don't understand it, but I believe it, he was both God and man, his sacrifice was effective for you and me. He, he then has a right to reach down through 2,000 years of history and extend an invitation to you and to me and to say, if you'll come and follow me, put your faith in me, then your sins can be forgiven and you can live with God forever. And that is the gospel. And I just want to say that as we close today, we're going to sing one last song. And while we do, I want to challenge you to think about what is the next step that God would have you take? Because in just a minute, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to be distracted by life again. Like career is going to happen and kids are going to be you know, pulling on, tugging on you, and and you're going to have worries and all these kinds of things. And so like in this moment, if God is calling you to take a next step, take it. Could be that you're here for the very, and for the very first time, God is saying, or you're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, I want to, during this song, I want to invite you to come down, even from the mezzanine there, I want you to come down. There's going to be people along the stage, and I want to encourage you to come and tell them. I want to say yes to Jesus. Or come down. If you, want, if you want somebody to pray with you, there's going to be people down here, and they're not going to judge you. They're not going to shame you. They're just here to help. They're volunteers that are just here to help you and encourage you, and they'll pray with you. Maybe that's your next step. If you want to get baptized today or schedule your baptism for next week, come on down. Talk to us about that. What an incredible next step. Maybe for you just to come back next week. Maybe for you to to love your neighbor. Maybe for you is to get into a small group. Maybe to trust God with your finances. Whatever your next step is, I want you to know that we're praying for you. And we invite you to take your next steps together. We all have them. That we'd all take them together as a family as we stand and sing this last song. Would you stand?